0: Yale Podcast Network.
1: From the campus of Yale University, this is To Live and Dialogue in LA. I'm Aaron Tracy. On the pod today, screenwriter Cinco Paul. Cinco is an incredibly successful screenwriter who is most famous for his animated movies. He wrote Despicable Me, as well as all of its sequels. He wrote The Secret Life of Pets, Horton Hears a Who, The Lorax, They're giant, beloved box office hits. Um, you know, there was a time when you really couldn't escape uh, the minions anywhere you went. And that's a creation of Cinco and his partner. You know, we talked to Stephanie Folsom on the pod, who wrote Toy Story 4, but other than that, we haven't really, you know, had any animation writers. And Cinco is a fantastic place to start, since his movies have become such phenomenons. You know, I'm really curious about how uh, the storytelling that he does differs from live action, how he writes for a young audience. He also has a really interesting method... Uh, of working with his writing partner and the way that they pitch, which I'm absolutely, you know, really curious about. And I think listeners will enjoy hearing about. So very excited. Here he is, Cinco Paul. By the way, thanks to our friends at ScreenCraft for their help getting the word out about this week's episode. Check out ScreenCraft.org for top screenplay competitions, educational events, and much more.
2: So I, I have a writing partner, you know, and and uh, he he lives in the neighboring town, and so we come here and meet to write.
1: You you go to you're at your office now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And is that is that attached to is that part of a studio or is that just like an office space you rent?
2: No, it's just a house. Okay, it's just a little house. And little so house we, that you rent for an office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have sort of the main area where we're all set up but then we have places we can go huh. off and be on our own that's great well, so
1: that's really yeah, smart because
2: nice we're kind of loud and so we you know when we had an office space and we had an even an apartment you know i think we ended up annoying people next to us so.
1: right. i've actually never heard of of two writers just renting their own house to uh to write in that's great i kind of love that yeah um, it
2: works really well for us we, yeah uh, yeah
1: and do you have great. meetings there
2: no, nobody ever comes here because we're so far away, right. you know?
1: Right,
2: But, um so, yeah, so we'll go into town for meetings and
1: stuff right. like that. I mean, I'd love to hear a little bit about um, how you work with your partner. You were, when you came to my class not long ago, you talked a little bit about it, but, you know, I found it really fascinating. Um, everybody works with their writing partner a little bit differently. So how do you guys um, get started?
2: Yeah, so we'll pretty thoroughly outline as much as we can, and then basically we'll start with the first act and we list all the scenes and then we'll put a K or a C single can, next to Mm them. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll assign them. Generally, we we know where our strengths lie, but we'll pretty much divide up the scenes and he'll take five and I'll take five and, and then we go off and write Mm them. And, um, and so by the end of the day, you know, we each have hopefully our five pages or so. And so we'll put them together and then, uh, we'll read them aloud. And when I'm together. sorry, these
1: are different scenes. You're not writing the same scene,
2: right? 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 Totally different scenes. Okay. Yes. So, so w- whenever we finished our assignments, we'll bring them all together. We read them aloud, and that's the time when you know we're 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 revising each other's, or we're pitching out other ideas, and and right. uh, and, and things like that. And it's also it's it's very competitive. Is it <laughs> as as far as like who has the better pages? That's you know? great. At the end of the day and 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 who won the day and <laughs> do you actually that, declare a winner um, no, but it you know we generally know. you both know we, yeah
1: yeah <laughs>
2: but um and, and you know ideally we're we're both a winner in a way but but yeah, that's the time when we 're reading it aloud, we pitch out different ideas, but i'm i'm more of the the organizing factor. Like I have the full script and then I'll sort of do the nitpicky revisions.
1: Right. Right.
2: And uh, so, so then that's, that's how we do it. And generally we've done it based on our strengths. Like if there's a scene that has emotion or romance in it, generally I'll take those and the action scenes. That's interesting. They're more visually oriented Ken takes, but then recently we've done some like random drawings. Well, like put the scene numbers in a hat and then we pull them out and, and we've done that to try to mix
1: things up. It's <laughs> really fun. I love that you treat it like a game. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I was at the Austin Film Festival recently and um, I met Herschel Weingrad who wrote Trading Places and Twins oh, yeah. and a lot of great 80s comedies. And what he used to do with his partner is they would each take the same scene and they would each go home that night and write their own version of it and bring it in the next morning and see whose was better. That's even wow. more cutthroat. Yeah,
2: Yeah, that's very intense. Because, like, how do you – yeah. Yeah.
1: That's um, very
2: interesting, yeah.
1: And um, I guess you guys find that you're sort of – I mean, it's obviously all in good fun and you guys are very close. But you find that sort of the competition, you know, keeps you on your best game?
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm really trying to make Ken laugh with my patrons, right, you right. know, and, and and vice versa. And that's really the audience we write to, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
2: basically trying to – write the movie that we would want to see but also i really want to try to get ken to laugh out loud you know that's great and that's that's that that's a, a major victory but it does it's worth really you know we've been writing partners almost 20 years now mm-hmm. and uh and it it works really well for us and and we have very we're both pretty easy going so we have very little disagreements right you know or our or, or fights about things but occasionally we'll we'll disagree and you know
1: yeah, I'm always so curious about those dynamics. Um I have a writing partner for a lot of my scripts, um, Andrew Lincheski, and he, you know, he was a creator and a showrunner. Uh, he had a hit show on for about eight years, and so I really like our dynamic where we're, you know, we're we're equal partners on the script. But at the same time, if he feels really, you know, if he feels strongly about something, I, I like the idea that he's got so much more experience than I do. Um, that I feel like, okay, great. There's there's one person to make the final determination to make the final call. You know? Um, oh yeah,
2: that's. Do you That's guys, a good idea, and yeah. I, I think in our partnership, I might be that person. I'm usually the one who who's a better debater or okay. arguer.
1: <laughs> That's what my comes point down and, to.
2: And Ken's a little more mellow, and he'll say like, "Okay, you know he's 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 better about seeing other people's way than I am, I right, guess." Right. But but generally, you know, you there is give and take. You have to sometimes let the other guy have his way, and then see what happens right know, and and there's a lot of that and especially with these animated movies we worked on it takes three years to make the movie so there's a lot of back and forth and and collaboration and opportunity to to go back to something if the new thing doesn't work
1: you know? yeah i'm really curious about that actually we had um we had stephanie folsom on the podcast who's writing toy story 4 but other than that oh, we, wow yeah we haven't really talked to anyone who who writes these big animated studio movies so when you say it takes three years um you know, I guess you write your script, you hand it in, then what? Or is that completely the wrong that way of is, thinking about it?
2: That would be amazing, but that's not how it okay, works. Okay,
1: great. Tell me how it works.
2: <laughs> because I mean, specifically in our case, everything we wrote was in production. As soon as we start writing, the movie is getting made, and and you know that's that's pretty rare. But I think that's more common in animation. But but. Right away, you know, we have artists who are doing character design as we start writing, and and basically, as soon as we have a first act, we turn that in, mm-hmm. and and so immediately they start storyboarding it, and we'll we'll turn the first act in, and then we'll move on to act two, but we keep getting pulled back to act one because as they storyboard it, and then we watch it like dailies, basically. Uh, three times a week we're watching these storyboards with with scratch voices and, and things like that in there um then we go back and revise it because you see it up there and you realize oh this joke doesn't work or this isn't working so right. so that's that's the way the process has been at illumination i i don't think it's like that at 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 every studio. But for us, it is a little crazy because you don't really get to act three until you're very far through the process.
1: Well, I was going to say though, but so often when, you know, when I'm writing act three, I realize issues in act one that need to be addressed. And if they've already sort of made, for lack of a better word, act one in your project, how, isn't that a lot of wasted time if you then have to go back and change act one?
2: Yeah, it's it's a challenge. And we've we've often like argued, can we just write a whole draft first. Because as a screenwriter, I I don't know what the movie is until I get to act three, Mm -hmm. until I sort of get to the end. And then you sort of start to have an idea what it is. And so often, just like you said, you know, we'll get to the end of the movie and we'll realize, oh, this is what it's about. But then we've got, you know, a third or sometimes a half of the movie already animated. And so you're locked in and you have to do these surgical
1: so why why is it done that way? Why can't you write the script and hand it in and they then make wha- it?
2: Yeah. I mean, because I think we've always been at Illuminations. We hit the ground running with Despicable Me. And then there's always been like, we were the only guys writing the movies over there for, for a long time. So it was just the production schedules and there were release dates and mm-hmm. there were just.
1: And it just uh, takes so long to animate, I guess
2: these deadlines to meet so it's yeah. sort of like we don't want to take the time for you guys to go off for three months and, right. and write a full draft right right it was kind of I mean it probably maybe it would have saved time in the long run I don't know it's always hard to say but it is true that it's such a collaborative process that I think our boss Chris Mel wanted everybody involved off the get right at the get-go as opposed to us right. having this vacuum in which to 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 write.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, in many ways, that's a little bit, um, you know, like a TV show where you've got the whole yeah. team assembled as you're writing, and you're working to the strengths of, you know, the actors, and and you know, you're you're working with what locations you have, and in your case, you know, the, the, obviously it's not sort of um, it's not like that, but you are working to the strengths of, you know, whatever. Um, voice actors you have, whatever, the storyboard artists, whatever characters look the best and seem like they're gonna be the most popular. So that is an advantage.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it is and so so basically from the point that we start actually writing the script, it's probably about two and a half years till till we're done. Okay. And so during that time, and it's gonna sound nuts, but almost daily we're rewriting the script.
1: Oh my God! It's just
2: we're t- we're turning in pages almost daily, so I guess wow. it is kind of like a TV show, TV show schedule, yeah. but as if one episode took two and a half years. to make.
1: Wow! Um, <laughs> and
2: it's it's exhausting, I will say. You know, but uh, but it's been a, a blast. You know, we we have no regrets, and and it was super fun. But it's it it wipes you out.
1: I you bet. Know? And you, I mean, you also you also write live action, right? So I mean, is there one? you know do do you feel like you need to sort of um have a palate cleanser of a live action after writing an animated movie just to have a different process or what
2: well that would have been nice we were we had an overall deal so we were exclusive so we okay. were just writing animation and now now we're we're taking a break we let our deal lapse so that we can go off and do our own thing and so now we are having that palate cleansing right uh dive into live action, return to live action, which is where we, where we began, but, um, so now we're getting into TV and wanting to write and direct some live action comedy and, and, and things like that. And that it is nice. It's, you know, a lot of the the same principles to writing apply, of course, to animation or live action, but just, it is a different world and, and, uh, we're, we're excited to get into that.
1: No, it sounds great. I mean, I, you know, I do the same thing where, um, you know, most of my writing is TV, but I also write these scripted audio dramas, you know, like podcasts, which I love. Oh, wow! It's a very different yeah. way of writing. It's a very different way of thinking about drama. And it's just, I don't know, it, it, it prevents you from burning out too much in one medium.
2: Yeah. I think that's, Great. I would recommend that to all writers, yeah. right? To spread yourself out. Cause I've actually started writing musicals now you I think, have involved in musical theater. We, t- our first movie was this movie with Jake Gyllenhaal called bubble boy. Right. It was like, you know, a massive flop, but we turned it into a musical which was really creatively satisfying for me. And so now I'm working on another one and, and it's fun to like stretch these different muscles. And I think it does help keep
1: you fresh. Is your background in music?
2: Yeah, originally I wanted to be like a pop musician, singer-songwriter. Uh-huh. That was that was my cuz I, you know, was playing piano from the time I was 5 and and uh but at at one point, you know, I was married and we had a kid on the way and and that career choice seemed a little crazy. Okay. Rock and so stars, I that not was the, just a little, yeah, yeah, just a little less crazy, which was be a screenwriter. So. <laughs> right, much more but stable at, career, yeah. Yeah, but at least I could go to film school, you know. There right. was, there was a, a small little path. Right, right. Out. So, But I've always loved music, and music has been a big part of a lot of the, the projects that that I've worked on. But but now it's been really great to be able to write music and lyrics and 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 write songs and and get back to kind of my first love
1: right so I'm trying to think of any um any musicals that are on t v right now there's my crazy ex girlfriend is there anything right else? yeah,
2: yeah, which is really fun
1: yeah, and so is yours is the idea sort of in the vein of that
2: yeah it's uh it's a, a musical. I'm trying to think how much I can talk about it yeah. now because it hasn't officially been announced. But we, we sold it to Apple TV. We teamed up with Lauren uh, awesome. Michaels as, as our producer.
1: Uh-huh. Broadway and Broadway
2: uh, Yeah, and it's a musical comedy. It's a half-hour show. And, and we sold it to Apple as a 10-episode uh, a awesome. uh, limited series, which is sort of ideal for what we wanted to do.
1: Totally. And you had no IP. You just went in there with an idea.
2: Yeah, yeah. Just the idea. We went in there singing.
1: Love it! You, tell me about your pitching style. I'm so curious. How, how you know, I. I was just helping out. A couple of, uh, former students are now. Uh, you know, they just got an agent and so they're going to Hollywood and they're taking all their meetings and they're figuring how to pitch and they email me to ask how to do that. No one knows how to do it. I mean, it's something I talk about with my friends all the time. Like, how do you pitch? Do you have a friend had a new method for pitching recently, um, where he would just sort of put it on his computer and use a remote control to scroll down. And we were all like, Oh my God, this is such an interesting new, uh, innovation in pitching. Are you, are you like that? Do you talk to people about how to pitch?
2: No, you know, I, every once in a while I have, but it is crazy that I've never seen another writer pitch.
1: Right. None of us have. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I I go in the room after that other writer has left.
1: Right. Exactly.
2: So, so I have no idea, you know, really what other people do. And, and Ken and I have sort of over time figured out what our style is. And obviously, you know, we're a little out of it because those 12 years we were writing for illumination, we didn't have to pitch anything, you know, it was, it was a very different world, but before that we pitched a ton and we ultimately kind of, uh, decided, I mean, it's very, it's, it's fun pitching with a partner especially. And we ultimately found a way that to take advantage of that, which is we get a little looser Mm -hmm. than we used to, you know, we used to script it out and then, so we've got a, a Firm foundation, but during the pitch, we'll t- take the opportunity to sort of play with each other, that's and great. like it's sort of improvised. And, and I go a little further than Ken expected on certain things, you know. When we'll we'll exchange dialogue and scenes, and uh, and he'll do the same thing back to me to create this feeling of fun, you know, and 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 excitement. And it's and contagious, yeah, and it really changed things for us it was coupled with the the, the fact that we're going to go into pitches as if and just have fun was like a, a big decision too and which led to this style but it 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 really turned things around for us actually because it's like execs can smell fear or desperation right when you come in a room and so we came in the room and said like we're just going to be the fun guys and we're going to have fun and we're going to be playful and and that's really worked well for us. That's really
1: smart.
2: I tell writers, you know, when you, you're not just pitching the idea, you're pitching yourself. Right. It's like, do they want to work with you? Do they want to spend time with you on this on this movie or, or TV show or whatever it is? And that's almost more, well, I don't know if it's more important than the idea. No, totally. I mean, pitching. speaking of Lord but Michaels. But it's right. Yeah, it's right up there.
1: Yeah, Tina Fey talks about in her book. I think she talks about how um, you know Laurens' um, criteria for hiring someone was: Do I want to run into this person at 2 a.m. on a Wednesday? You know, walking to the water cooler. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and it's the answer has got to be yes if you're going to hire the person. <laughs> yeah,
2: um, the answer has to be yes, yeah. and and so and you can so easily you know in that twenty twenty five minutes you're in their room, you know. Give them the impression that nah, I don't. It's a, it's an interesting idea, but nah, I don't like this person's attitude, you know, or, or
1: or whatever it is. Yeah. And so, do you guys bring in pages? Is it anything written?
2: No, I mean, we. I have it in my back pocket. You know, we'll we'll, we'll print out like a two or three page outline or whatever our our pitch document is, but we don't leave it behind. We, and we really try not to look at it ever. You know, it's just sort of there for, for comfort and, and, um, and I'll sort of, you know, take us through the the bullet points and then Ken provides a lot of flavor and then we'll just go back and torture each other. That's great. And
1: And uh, do you, yeah, I'm curious how you feel. I mean, uh, having so much fun in the, in the pitch, I, um, I pitched – I was in LA last week and pitched a, oh. a limited series to a network and afterwards I just I, – I remember I walked – it was it was around the corner from my agency and I walked to, to, to CIA and, and sat in a coffee shop right outside and was just like existentially not depressed but a little bit sort of just down because I had worked so hard on this and it went really well. But now I was putting – my fate of what I would be doing, what I'd be working on for the next year in the hands of other people. And that just felt so kind of crushing. Um, Are you, but, but my pitches are very different. My pitches aren't as much fun as yours.
2: Well, yours are more serious, right? You're, you're writing dramatic things, which is, I I have no idea how, how I would pitch a drama, you know, that's, that's. So for you, it's like form
1: fits function a little bit. You, you, it's fun because the project's going to be fun.
2: Yeah, the pitch—we're pitching comedy, so the pitch better, you know, get laughs or get smiles right. at least. And it is interesting—you go into these rooms, and some people give you nothing. It's totally. like they're determined not to give you any sign of encouragement or anything, and that is soul crushing. Right? You know, it's just—it's just the worst. I mean, Ken and I once went into a pitch meeting, and, and we pitched our hearts out, and the exec looked back at us when it was over and said,
1: "Well." that was loud. Oh my God. That was loud. That's amazing yes. feedback. <laughs>
2: that, was <laughs> that was loud.
1: And we're like, Oh, okay. I
2: guess we didn't, we didn't sell, you know, to get that job. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, uh, but I
1: but once... then you so
2: love the people who, you know, give you things, you know, you just, and, and, and they're pitching themselves. too. So it's like, Oh, I would love to work with this person because right. they're giving and right. they they, they understand that like, you know you it's it's encouragement is free yes. give it to them you want you want to hear the very best version of the pitch from people so so why not help them
1: totally yes and especially yeah when when they show that they're paying attention you know even if it's just yeah. like nodding or just like interrupting in order to ask a question i love that so much yeah. better than just their dead eyes yeah yeah yeah. Um, and that's tough. And generally, I mean, I don't know
2: how you feel about this, like you generally know when you leave the meeting, right? Oh, yeah. If if Well, if I've been wrong a lot. Not, but I but we've yeah. been wrong too. Yeah, but Yeah. It is it's just a horrible feeling walking out of that meeting and saying like, "Well, yeah. On to the next one." Yeah, seriously, <laughs> after all that work
1: and, and yeah, completely yeah. Um, I actually thought this meeting that I had last week did not go as well as it could have. I was like bitching to my producers afterwards. And then it does sound like they want it, which is great. Um oh, so wow, I was completely Congrats. wrong. Thanks. Um but so I I was going to say also one of the pitches I I did um a network pitch I did um it was a very dramatic pitch. It was about Jagger Hoover and you know it was very, you know, steeped in history. And, um, it was, you know, a very intense pitch. And then afterwards the executive, there was a long silence when we finished and the executive turned to us and said, fun. And then just started (laughs) with his comments. It was disheartening. It was rough. Yeah. (laughs) I guess we could bitch about this all day. (laughs) Um, but I really like your method of just like bringing fun into the room.
2: Yeah, that's, we have to do that. It's almost for our own sanity. Yeah, that's
1: smart. That's smart. You gotta keep going. Um, So I asked you if there was a clip from your work um, that you might want to play and then sort of talk about from a craft perspective. And uh, you picked a scene from Despicable Me where um, uh, Gru is reading the sleepy kitten's book to the girls. Yeah. so I wanna go ahead and play that and then I would love to talk about it. Okay. Great.
0: Yahoo! <laughs> Come on now. It's bedtime. Did you brush your teeth? Let me smell. Let me smell. <sighs> you did not <laughs> put on your PG. Wait, <laughs> okay, seriously. Seriously. This is this is Betty Time. Right now. I'm not kidding around. I me. Mean oh, we're not tired. Well, I am tired. Will you read us a bedtime story? No. Pretty please. The physical appearance of the please makes no difference. It is still no, so go to sleep. But we can't. We're all hyper. And without a bedtime story, we'll just keep getting up and bugging you. All night long. Oh, fine. All right. right. Sleepy kittens. Sleepy kittens. What are these? Puppets. You use the money to tell the story. Okay, let's get this over with. Three little kittens loved to play. They had fun in the sun all day. Then their mother came out and said, "Time for kittens to go to bed." Wow, this is garbage. You actually like this? Keep reading. <sighs> Come on. All right, all right, all right, all right. Three little kittens started to bawl. Mommy were not tired at all. Their mother smiled and said with a purr, fine, but at least you should brush your fur.
1: Now you brush the fur.
0: This is literature? A two-year-old could have written this. All right. Three little kittens with fur all brushed said, we can't sleep. We feel too rushed. Their mother replied with a voice like silk. Fine, but at least you should drink your milk. Now make them drink the milk. Oh, I don't like this book. This is going on forever. Three little kittens with milk all gone rubbed their eyes and started to yawn. (sighs) We can't sleep. We can't even try. Then their mother sang a lullaby. Good night, kittens. Close your eyes. Sleep in peace until you rise. Though while you sleep, we are apart. Your mommy loves you with all her heart. The end. Okay. Good night. Wait. What? What about good night kisses? No, no, no. There will be no kissing or hugging or kissing. He's not going to kiss us goodnight, Agnes. I like him. He's nice, but scary.
2: Like Santa. (laughs) Um,
1: All right. That was a really nice scene. Um, Ah. Do you remember writing it? It takes me
2: back hearing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Can you tell? So, what do you remember about, about writing it or coming up with it or sort of the intention behind it?
2: Yeah, I know it was was a little late in the the process where we discovered we we were missing a a, a scene where they really, where Gru really first came to terms or or realized he was falling in love with the girls. And and we'd had an earlier scene at an amusement park where he like helped them out with something and we had thought that was going to function in that way, but it really wasn't getting us enough. And so we realized we needed a scene. And so I sort of pitched out, oh, what if he's, uh, it's a bedtime, it should be a bedtime scene. And, and uh, they want him to read the book. And I had, and this very much came from my own life because I had, I have three little kids. I mean, I, I did at the time <laughs> yeah. and uh, they're bigger now. But, um, but my girls specifically had this book called Five Little Bunnies that was a puppet book. And it was the stupidest book. It was <laughs> so poorly written. And we had all these great kids books, which I bought them, you know, which I loved to read to them, right. but they always wanted this one because it had the puppets, but it was so mind numbingly, you know, dumb, the way it was written. So I just sort of drew from that for the scene. And, um, and I've always been really proud with, of this scene and, and, and how it, turned out. And what, one of the things that's really nice is that it's almost verbatim exactly how I wrote it, oh, which doesn't, all, doesn't, doesn't always happen, but, but when it does, you feel like, oh, it turned out that way because I somehow got this right, right. you know? because, because, you know, and we always encourage Corell to, to play around with things, but, but this one, he sort of instinctively felt like, let's just like do it the way it is, but he just, you know, delivered it so brilliantly. Right. But, um, but I really love these scenes where it's sort of, you know, he's fighting against something and, and he gets to play the role of it's very relatable for parents, these stupid books that we you know, we don't want to have to do this. Right. And then and then I really love the moment where it's he's suddenly caught by surprise by it and starting to feel something and then he's, instantly he closes up again and says, you know, no goodnight kisses and and, right. and, and, and get me out of there. Right. But it's sort of like uh I was happy with how it sort of captures that parenting moment but also is is a a real nice character
1: moment for him. Totally. And it is it's emotional and it's funny and it's tender. Um there's a lot going on in that one scene. Yeah,
2: exactly, you know, and that's sort of what was surprising for people about the movie and sort of surprising for us is that that it actually you know worked emotionally, it's sort of this nutty comedy, you know with this like sort of crazy villain at at the heart of it but 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 uh the goal and 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 Ken and I, in all of our stuff, we really want people to laugh, but also have some moments there where maybe they're gonna get. A little emotional, right? You yeah, know, no. People have to connect so to these characters.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and of course, Despicable Me became a giant—you know, just monster hit. Did that? I mean, maybe you were under your overall deal, but did the success of that movie change your life? Change your career?
2: Oh, yeah, one hundred percent. I don't think we were on the overall deal. We had just made the deal for that one movie, and then the overall deal came after that. But uh-huh. that was, yeah, it's it's sort of that once in a lifetime moment where yeah. lightning strikes, which you you have no control over as a screenwriter, but right. when it happens it's just like amazing because no one expected this movie to do anything, really. We were a brand new studio, you know, and, um, I, I, and I often tell the story about like no one would would wanted to license minions for toys or anything. No one had any interest in that. You know, they approached everybody and I think there's like this small company in Mexico that made a few of them. Oh my god. (laughs) But it became um, such a
1: phenomenon. Yeah.
2: But then it just it exploded and something like that is just is is so exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then a lot of fun. um, And then you how soon after were you commissioned to write the sequel?
2: Yeah, almost. I mean, it's like a couple of weeks after it came out, and they realized what they had. Uh-huh. They said, "Okay, we should start talking about a sequel." And and that's always that was very hard for us because we feel like that's it, the movie's a complete story, right. you know. And it, and it was not created to be a franchise, right? At all, like that a lot of not, movies are now. Yeah. Yeah, it was never sequel. The word "sequel" wasn't brought up until two or three weeks after the movie came out. So there there was never any thought of that. So. So there was initially some resistance from us, but but um, ultimately we you know because we loved the characters and and everybody involved, we we sort of found found a way in and and there's also you don't want somebody else writing it,
1: right? <laughs> right. These are your characters. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. So it's like yeah, let's do it. And um, and so then we started writing. We took only two. I'm trying to figure out where I can't think of the timeline. But but we had also already been working on the Lorax, which came out I think before Despicable Me, Meet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we, we, we generally, and I think most writers are like this. You, it's nice to be writing a couple things at the same time.
1: For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. To be
2: able to go back and forth if you if you get bored with something or a little
1: stuck. Right. Yeah. Right. Um. Okay. And so then. Um, just finishing up here, um, I asked you for a clip of someone else's work that you're a big fan of yeah. that you may want to talk about. Um, and so I was thinking actually we could talk about this and then play the clip um, as we end the podcast. Um, oh, and so, sounds good. Yeah, so I'll just set it up. So it's a it's a Frank it's, – it, it's from It's a Wonderful Life you chose, um, yeah. the Frank Capra movie from 1946. Um, and so frustrated that it – It looks like that he'll uh, continue to be stuck in Bedford Falls. George goes out for a walk and ends up visiting Mary. They get into a heated argument and then fate intervenes when she gets a phone call from their old friend, Sam Wainwright. And Mary, of course, is played by Donna Reed and George Bailey is played by Jimmy Stewart. Um, and, And in the scene, the two of them are sharing the phone, standing very, very close together, their faces yeah. touching as they listen to Sam. So before we hear it, can you just tell me a little bit about you know, what that movie means to you or what that scene means to you and, and why you're such a fan of it?
2: Yeah. I mean, this is a movie that really changed my life and sort of, and, and made me want to make this type of movie, which is, which is wow. a movie, which is, you know, I think it's really funny and, and well-crafted, but just has this an incredible heart and it's life affirming. And, you know, it's sort of everything that, that both Ken and I want our movies to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this movie the screenplay is, even though a little bit of, it's screenplay by committee. I think in in, in right. many ways, Old Um But most of the, the credit, I think, goes to a married couple. You know, it's uh, Goodrich and, and uh, Hackett who who uh, mm-hmm. did most of the writing on this. And I think it really shows in this scene. You know that you have a man and a woman both writing it because I think it's 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 beautifully written and it's just a great example of subtext and how to use comedy as a, as a as a punctuation. You know, throughout mm-hmm. the scene, it's really dramatic and and I love how like dark it gets with with like. the the way they write George, you know, and his, his insistence on the fact that he doesn't want to fall in love and he doesn't want to get married and he, you know, and he wants to get out of this stupid town and he like grabs her and shakes her violently. And, and, uh, and, but then it just, he he can't help himself. He realizes that he loves her and he knows it's going to, it's going to, he's not going to be able to achieve the dreams that he wants to, but he he can't fight it. It's just that it's, and just like you described, it's like so beautiful that they're talking to Wainwright about plastic and soybeans, but they're right. they're right next to each other, and he's yeah. smelling her hair. It's shot it's amazingly, like,
1: yeah.
2: Oh, it's all it's all in one shot, you know, this this long shot. And then, to me, there's other things that are craft wise that that I've really learned for and tried to apply, which is like her mom is such a beautiful like comedic. Hmm counterpoint to right. this scene because she doesn't like George right. and she wants Mary to be with Sam who's rich and successful and she hates George so it's like what's he doing here right. and then you know and then the, the great moment where it's mom's on the other on the extension and she says no right. I'm not you know and, and then <laughs> she's also at the very end of the scene where we've had this incredible dramatic scene where they've like the emotion has come out and she realizes that they've fallen in love and she's like so distraught yeah. At the end of the scene I just think it's so Beautifully crafted It's just Uh, Really impressive to me
1: I love your passion for this scene Um, So listen, we're going to let you go Thank you so much We're going to play that scene going out This has been so fun Thanks for taking the time to talk to us
2: Oh yes, thanks so much for having me It's been a blast
1: Awesome, okay, talk to you soon Okay, thanks a lot, Aaron Bye Hello? Forgot my hat
0: Oh, hello, Sam. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Gee, good to hear your voice again. Oh, well, that's awfully sweet of you, Sam. There's an old friend of yours here, George Bailey. You mean old Mossback George? <laughs> yes, old Mossback George. Ee-haw! put him on. Well, well, just a minute. I'll call him George. He doesn't want to speak to George, you idiot. Just so. He asked for him. George... Jo- George, Sam wants to speak to you. Hi, Sam. Well, George Baliofsky. Hey, a fine pal you are. What are you trying to do, steal my girl? Well, oh, what do you mean? Nobody's trying to steal anybody's girl. Here, here, here here's Mary's. Oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to talk to Mary. you. Tell
1: Mary to get on the extension. You Mother's on the extension.
0: We can... I am not! We can both here. Come here. We're, we're listening, Sam. Well, look. I have a big deal coming up that's going to make us all rich. George. Remember that night in Martini's Bar when uh, you told me you'd read someplace about making plastics out of soybeans? Chili beans. Shut up, will You remember, out of chili. out of soybeans. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 soybeans, yeah. Well, listen. Dad snapped up the idea and he's going to build a factory outside of Rochester. How do you like that? Rochester? Well, why Rochester? Well, why not? Well, I don't know, just why not right here? You remember that uh, that old tool and machinery works? Well, you tell your father you can get that for a song and all the labor he wants too. Half the town was thrown out of work when they closed down. Was that so? Well, I'll tell him. Hey, that sounds great. Ah, oh, baby, I knew you'd come through. Now, here's the point. Mary, Mary, you're in on this too. Now listen, have you got any money? Money, yeah, well, a little. Well, now listen. I want you to put every cent you've got into our stock, do you hear? And George, I may have a job for you. That is, unless you're still married to that broken down building and loan. (laughs) Well, this is the biggest thing since radio and I'm letting you in on the ground floor. Oh, Mary, Mary. Well, uh, uh, I'm here. Uh, Will you tell that guy I'm giving him the chance of a lifetime, do you hear? The chance of a lifetime. He says it's a chance of a lifetime. Oh, Mary. Mary. Oh, George, George, George. Mary.
2: Oh, dear. Oh,
1: dear. That was fun. I really like talking to Cinco. It's always fun just to talk to another writer, hear their war stories, hear the, the way they pitch, um, you know, the way they work with their partners. Um, he's such a sweet, nice, authentic guy. So thanks to Cinco for doing that. And thanks so much to our producer here at the Yale Broadcast Center, Ryan McAvoy. If you dug the show, please do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes. Hit me with questions or complaints on Twitter at Aaron D. Tracy, or email me, at aaron.tracy at yale.edu. See you guys next week.